0: Welcome to Twice 5 Miles Radio, Fertile Ground for Conversations Worth Listening To and Remembering. I'm your host James Nave. We are always broadcasting first on WPVM LP Asheville 103.7, streaming online wpvmfm.org, the voice of Asheville heard all over the world. I'd like to thank Walter Parks for our theme song. Thank you, Walter Parks, for all the good work you do. WalterParks.com, if you're interested in knowing more about Walter's work. If you'd like to know more about Twice Five Miles, you can go to TwiceFiveMiles.com and take a look at what's up there. It's a a lovely website full of little information about how to get your creative work over the finish line. So as you all know, I have been broadcasting this show for quite some time and I'm really fortunate to get people on the show whom I've known for many years and people on the show whom I've met recently and today we have just such a person. Her name is Alice Howe. She's a singer-songwriter. She's a musician. She works with a wonderful musician whom I've known for many years. His name is Freebo. Freebo was on this show recently and that's how I met Alice. So Alice and I have never met in person, we've only met on Zoom. That's what we do these days. Maybe (laughs) one day we'll all get together. And I hear Alice laughing in the background. Alice, how welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio.
1: Thank you, James Nave. it's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's my pleasure to have you here. And I would like to start our conversation by asking you, when you were a child, when did you first realize that the musical notes that you were hearing were going to be part of what you would love for the rest of your life.
1: Mm. I love the way you asked that question. To be honest, I think I have known that as long as I have had thoughts. (laughs) So it goes back to just being a toddler, sitting in my swing set um, in my grandmother's backyard making up songs while somebody pushed me in the swing. I had a little notebook all through my childhood that I would bring and sneak into all my classes and my math classes and, you know, be hiding in the back row, scribbling uh, lyrics that I would make up to songs. So there are cassette tapes of me and my father and my mother, just my singing to them. and, And I guess I've always been a performer and a singer and a songwriter. It's something that has been in me from the beginning so it's always been a a way that I've expressed myself and I've always been very moved by singers and songwriters and some of my strongest memories are of music and of listening to music with my parents or sitting in front of the record player my my parents are of your generation and they listened to vinyl and they would set me up with Joan Baez and Joni Mitchell and Jackson Brown and Bonnie Raitt and I would just soak it up and read along and sing along. And that's kind of how I, I learned to sing, was was singing along with music that I loved. So.
0: so as a little child, you probably weren't thinking about jotting the words down to make the songs. Or were you? Did those words emerge as a little girl? Or, or did did the music come first? And And at what point did those two ideas marry into the beginning of what is now your career?
1: I would say, in a way, I still write the same way that I did as as a child, in that, for me, I love to just sing to myself. That's I like to just improvise to myself with words. Melodies just kind of come to me um, out of the ether, the you know, wherever they come from. I like to just see what comes out and I tend to feel like certain words suit certain melodies and they just lock together and they feel like "Mm, just something is right about it and I remember you know making up little melodies and songs and stories I think there's a storytelling element that was always really important to my sense of what songwriting was because I listened to a lot of folk music and particularly like those old English ballads they're all stories and I loved to read and I loved fairy tales and all that kind of stuff so I would come up with my own little stories and different characters and as far as when it became apparent to me that it would be my career that it was my aspiration to pursue music professionally I, I think I've always envisioned that for myself but not coming from a family of professional artists, it was like pretty daunting to think, wait, how do I actually do that? So I, <laughs> it's like I, I knew what I wanted, but it was about gradually going through kind of like the normal channels of school and being a student and I was always a good student and I was expected to go to college and I'm very fortunate that I did that and then when I was done, I was like, okay, I did all that, I did what was expected of me, I'm ready to go into this sort of alternative path and find my way. So that was about five years ago now that I really committed. I took a little time after college to kind of just work and be in the world and then I was like, okay, it's time.
0: (laughs) When I was a boy, I learned how to play the guitar with my father who was an Appalachian fiddler and he also played the piano. I was never able to sing. You have a beautiful voice and I have a, a, a really good radio voice. And yet when I when I tried to sing as a child, I, I yelled. So yelling is not necessarily singing for those of you listening out there, if you're wondering what the difference between those two. <laughs> I was never able to feel really confident with my singing voice. And the other thing that happened with me, and you can reflect on this, I have never been able to hear music in my head. I mm. don't hear songs inside my head. So what mm. I did to compensate for it was I became a spoken word poet, a spoken yeah. word artist, a storyteller, using my voice without the demands of hitting each note like the voice was in a musical instrument. Now, you clearly can hit the notes. Did you have to <laughs> figure out how to do that or was that something that just came to you like the birds know how to do it?
1: I It maybe sounds uh, too simple but I just really feel like my voice has always been my instrument. I've always been a singer. I just became more skilled as I got older and practiced and through singing in acapella groups and and um, I'd never had voice lessons but I just think over time being around professionals using my voice I've gotten much more skilled with how to use it and that's been a process for sure it's one thing to have a singing voice but then you have to learn how to use it I think however I will say that I definitely always felt that it was just a very natural expression for me to sing and I was always doing that so yeah Learning the guitar is another story. That's taken me a lot of work. (laughs) That did not come so naturally.
0: So when you use the word professional musician, I'm asking this question because people listen. And so often folks love to do creative work without the goal of making a living at it. So when you started your professional career as a musician, what kind of dance did you do between the singing, which you love, learning how to play the guitar, which is a certainly a craft, a skill that you develop. And then the whole aspect of the business of things, putting the, the books together, getting the invoices yeah. out, the entrepreneurial aspect. And the reason I'm asking this is because the creative world offers many entrepreneurial opportunities. And you, as a, a singer-songwriter, have wrapped your arms if you will, around that. So how does that dance work for you?
1: It's definitely an ongoing challenge for me. I don't feel like I have time for everything. I do feel like I'm on a little bit of a hamster wheel with the business side of things at times. There's the joy and expression and creativity of the songwriting and for me, the singing and things like being in the studio and recording. I love I love being in those environments where I can just totally focus and sink into the music, but the reality is that artists these days, uh, independent artists, are entrepreneurs, and I've tried my very best to just get comfortable with that role. I think the more help I have, the better I feel, so I try to surround myself with people. I ask people for help all the time. (laughs) That's the only way I can maintain my sanity. There's a lot of self-promotion, which can be uncomfortable or comfortable at times, depending on what mood I'm in. It's a work in progress for sure. I I feel like I've learned so much just in the last few years. Every day I learn something about more that I could be doing. And I, I try to think in terms of not just burning myself out with the business side of things, but to do what's needed. It's about efficiency. Like, how do I take this thing that I do, that I love... Who are the people? What are the channels I can use to just get it out there? You know, because it's it's true. There's the business mind and the artistic mind. And I do have to kind of take one hat off, I think, and put on the other one.
0: So often in this culture, we tend to think we can go it on our, our own. We don't have to ask for help. Somehow I can make it. I can get to the next corner. I I really don't don't need anybody to help me. I'm I'm all on my own. And yet that's really not true. We always have had help from the very beginning, from the moment we were born, you know, held in our parents' arms. And so when you ask for help, can you tell us how you've come to feel comfortable with that? And then also maybe give us a couple of wonderful stories about how a couple of your friends helped you in ways that still delight you and that might delight (laughs) us as well.
1: Yes. The first person who comes to mind is Freebo, who you mentioned, who I do work with. Um, We do a weekly show that you mentioned is going to be live on WPVM at 8 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday night, and we're really excited about that. Uh, the show is called Inside Live, and it's been kind of our project. In this year of pandemic, we were like, let's come up with something that's going to be different and new and fun every week. And so we decided to have a special guest and artist that we admire and love, and we invite them on. And we kind of do what you and I are doing right now, where we interview them. We go back and forth trading songs. So Freebo and I started working together after we met at a conference in Connecticut. I'm originally from the Boston area. I live in LA now, but I was in Stanford, Connecticut at this conference called Folk Alliance. And we met and I had a, an EP that was coming out soon. It was an acoustic five song EP called You've Been Away So Long. And I was getting ready to release it. And it was like my first professional release. And I was trying to ask around, figure out, you know, okay, how do I promote this thing? I, I ended up another example at that conference. Talk about like a great place to be to ask for help. I met like my radio promoter there. I met the person who was initially my manager there. You know, just it's really wonderful to go to things like that. I find conferences, professional conferences, where there are other artists, other people in the industry who are just there to meet each other. That opened up so much for me. And Freebo was one of the people I met. And he suggested, you know, when you're ready to record your next record, I'd love to help you with putting a band together, and I'd like to help you produce your album. And at the time, I didn't even know what a producer did, to be perfectly honest. I didn't even know what that meant. And Freebo, as your listeners may know, played with Bonnie Raitt for 10 years in the 70s, and he's played on countless folk, rock, and blues records. Um, A lot of the artists that I grew up listening to, he played with those people. So when I went home after that conference and flipped over my mom's Bonnie Raitt record and saw him on the back I was like oh my god it's really him I should probably follow up and call this guy back so what what it turned into that has been so unexpected and so cool is just having an ongoing musical collaboration in like a producer artist co-writer relationship that's been just so sustaining for me like I didn't even know that I needed somebody like that to kind of help guide and just mentor me in terms of like, what is the sound of my recorded music? What do I want it to sound like? What do I want to express? What do I want to say? Who am I going to ask to help me play and make the music the way I want it to sound? I had always made all those decisions myself, for better or worse. Turns out, having somebody super experienced come in and and help shape that, is really, um, really exciting. So that's been a, a real joy to continue working with him. And we are currently preparing to record my second record. Um, we're going to be going to Muscle Shoals, Alabama in July of this year and recording at Fame Studios with a band. I can't wait. I have so many new songs. And so, yeah.
0: When you've been working with Freebo, and as you said, he's been in this business since the 70s. And he's still as engaged and curious and, and childlike as, <laughs> yeah. as, he's, as he's ever been. I've known him for almost 20 years when he came to Taos to be part of our Artist Way Creativity Camp uh, that Julia Cameron and I were teaching. And she knew Freebo and invited him to come. And he came and he was Freebo and he was just wonderful with his bass. And so to this day, he's still the same way. And when I'm around him, I feel relaxed. Yeah. And I feel comfortable, like I'm wearing a wonderful sweater. So as a as a beginning musician, or not as a beginning musician, but as a as a beginning professional musician, yeah, yeah. when you started to work with Freebo, did you notice how his presence, his support, his holding, if you will, holding your creativity, how did that incrementally build out your confidence? Did you notice that early on? And and as that confidence has built out, how is it translating into the work you're doing creatively now as you mature?
1: Oh, that is such a good question, Nave. I love that. Uh, it's so true. I initially, when I was in the studio with him working on my first uh, full-length record that he produced called Visions, that came out in 2019, I initially was very new to the process of having anyone involved in my creative world. I felt very private about it. And just bit by bit, I felt that fall away to where I started to feel myself like being way more open. And with that comes an awareness of where you could grow, like where you think, you know, there's like a certain amount of oh, I don't need help with that. I know how to write songs. But then as we continued our work together, it was like, wait, I actually want help. And I want to work with other musicians and collaborate and share ideas. And and I felt, yeah, my confidence through that openness and just almost like being able to see myself from the other side a little bit more and see like how I was growing and It really just had a compound effect. It was like a snowball effect. It's amazing. I think where I'm at now as a singer, as a songwriter, is just like 100 years beyond where I was three years ago. Seriously. And it's so exciting. And I feel like you never know where you're going to be at or where you want to be at really until you just stay in the process and then you kind of look around and it's like, oh, this is exactly where I need to be. And I didn't even know. And... You know, I think that that has so much to do with just being open to what comes along. Not thinking like you have all the answers because you just don't. There have been people who've come in as angels in my life and kind of helped bring me to the next stage, you know, the next chapter.
0: When you started to realize it was growing, was there any one point when you saw it or was it just like watching the garden grow and suddenly the harvest is there, the tomato plants are full, the the bees are out, the the onions are in.
1: As a recording artist, it's so interesting because you have albums that are a record of what you did in the past, and you can go back and listen to them and relive where you were five years ago, three years ago, and it just amazes me to listen to the way I was singing when I was 18, when I made my first demo CD to 22 and 25 and a couple years ago. And, and now like singles that I'm working on, I just put out a new single last week of my cover of Joni Mitchell's song, A Case of You, and it's out on all streaming platforms now. I I learned that song when I was 14 at summer camp. And when I listened to my vocal on that song, it's like night and day. I mean, I had a nice voice what I was saying about learning how to use it and just like sinking into your body and not being afraid of hitting notes or not hitting notes. There's like a soulfulness there that just wasn't quite there a few years ago. I don't know where it comes from. You know, does it come from practicing? Does it come from being around other musicians? Does it come from like being affirmed by people that you respect? I don't know. It's fascinating.
0: (laughs) I heard the song and listened to it, and indeed, it, it's rich, it's deep, it has range, all Thank kinds you. of stuff going on in that song that we've all heard many times. I'm wondering, as you first approached it as the young woman in summer camp, when you were just <laughs> beginning to sing, and then when you moved through this song, and it's been with you all this time, And now you're doing it as a fully-fledged, mature singer-songwriter with a big future in front of you. What was your psychology like when you were recording this piece this time? What were you thinking? What kind of subtext did you bring to these words Mm -hmm. that you've known for so long?
1: Yeah, you know... One great thing that Freebo reminds me of when we are working in the studio, it always shifts my consciousness when he says it. Cause he's just a great coach in the studio. I know what I need to do, but it's so nice to have somebody there to actually tell you like, I think you could actually do that better. And when you trust that person and they can call you out and be like, you should try that again. Like, I know you can do better than that. Okay, you're right. And one thing he'll say is, okay, Alice, you know how to sing the notes, you know the melody, now really feel what you're saying. And that's always, it's a subtle shift, but I swear to God, if I compare the take before we had that conversation to the take after, there's just a subtle difference that I, as the person who sang it, I really hear it. I hear that I feel what I'm singing in a whole different way, and that's just so powerful. When you ask me about this particular song, it's like you have to get out of this sense, oh, I've sung this a million times. You have to be like, what am I actually saying? and What does it feel like to be in the song? Because that's what all the singers that I love, I think Bonnie Raitt is an amazing example of this. Every line, you're just like, oh God, I know she's feeling it. And that's, that's where I wanna be with my singing.
0: You mentioned earlier when you're singing a song and writing a song, it's storytelling. And this song that you covered by Joni Mitchell, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could tell us the story of the song rather than singing it. What's the story behind that song? What's going on there? A Case of You, what does that mean?
1: It feels to me... I've also read this amazing biography of Joni so I've like I have like too much I have like a whole backstory too but without going there what it what it's about to me is I know I love you I will always love you you're you're in my blood like holy wine oh my god it tastes so bitter and so sweet I could drink a case of you so you're in my body and my soul and I adore you but maybe maybe I know deep down that it's maybe not going to work out, or it's not necessarily the best situation. Maybe I just was one of those relationships where the timing wasn't right, or circumstances didn't allow us to be together, you know, and I've heard things about you. I'm just not sure. So it's about this other person, but it's also really about the narrator saying, am I going to be alone? Am I doomed to be alone? I'm a lonely painter. I live in a box of paints. Like I'm looking for somebody to kind of help me not feel alone there's there's a real sadness to the song but it's so it's so beautiful and so honest and it's just some some of the most amazing writing i think ever i mean i i just love joni so much
0: does any part of that song connect with you personally your own life experience
1: yeah there's one line that i just think is one of the most beautiful lines ever it's um part of you pours out of me in these lines, from time to time, I've always expressed myself through writing, and either lyrics or prose. And I think that line is just so true. It's so evocative. A lot of what I write about is relationships, people that I've come into my life and that have touched me in some way and people do kind of pour out of you whether it's a person or an experience like that's to me what songwriting is what what really honest writing is like just pouring out reframing these experiences that you've had and in maybe in a universal way something that other people can relate to so yeah that line has always really hit me
0: say it one more time
1: she says part of you pours out of me in these lines from time to time.
0: Part of you pours out of me in these lines from time to time. Mm -hmm. Alice, if you don't mind, I'd like to pause for just a moment to just do a bit of a station identification and tell the folks out there um, listening that you are listening to a wonderful conversation with Alice Howell, a singer-songwriter who lives in L.A., and you're also listening to that wonderful conversation on Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave. We're always broadcasting this show first on W P V M L P Asheville 103.7 and streaming online WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville heard all over the world. And also heard on other community radio stations like KCEI-FM, Cultural Energy Radio out of Taos, New Mexico. Uh, Walter Parks, thank you for the theme song. Uh, I do love your work, Walter, and you're now living in St. Louis these days, and you're a traveling man, and you're settled a little bit there, if any of you are interested in learning more about Walter, WalterParks.com is a great place to look. And if any of you are interested in getting in touch with me, Nave at JamesNave.com, you can always go there and send me an email. Where are you? What are you up to? What's going on in your field as, as spring emerges and, and, and you start to look around at the, the new growth, what's going on? Nave at JamesNave.com. If you'd like to know more about Twice Five Miles, twice5miles.com is a good place to look lots of little tidbits there and things that are kind of fun to play with so if you want to play a bit twice5miles.com is is the is the place to to go explore and so i'd like now to get back to my conversation with Alice thank you for putting everything on hold for just a second i, I have another question for you Alice yes building out from this idea of Joni's song the way you've explained it emotionally. So I really am glad I asked that question because I I love this. I love to hear you sing it. But it was wonderful to hear you drop into the emotionalism and the way you connect with the words. The word love, of course, sits right in front of us because you obviously love your work. I'm curious, how has your work writing songs and singing and engaging with the public and doing all these wonderful shows. How has that experience taught you how to love?
1: (laughs) Wow. I do love my work. I have always loved to sing and to share what I do, what I write. I always say that it feels like songs have a life cycle. They start out really internal in my head and then maybe I write them down and then I start to play them by myself I play them for friends maybe I record them play them for family you know and once they're out there in the world that final piece so the process wouldn't be complete without the sharing to me it's the sharing and the reflection and and yeah, like to be honest, we musicians during this time, I know we miss the claps, you know, we miss being applauded because that's part of this like give and take. It's it's an exchange of energy. Music takes up energy in the room. It's a two-way street. There's so much love that I get back when I share myself and I've been able to stay connected with people. I have a Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com slash Alice Howe, that's Alice like in Wonderland and How with an E. Patreon is a place that I'm sharing with my fans. But it's different to be in the room. So I feel like the true love is that give and take. You can't replace that.
0: Well, your fans certainly do love you. What about your family and friends who are not part of your audience, the people you are close to?
1: I think it's it's sometimes difficult to convey to my friends and family who are not professional artists, like the reality that I face what my work is like what it is that I actually do you know for my mom who's a pediatrician what do you do all day (laughs) you know and so I can share the sweet loving yes like let me play a song for my family but that's kind of separate from my aspirations my career goals two channels there and I feel appreciated and loved like for my art by the people that love me and then I also have to keep something private for myself for me and for the people who are really in my world, the people who I work with, who really get what it is I'm trying to do with the music.
0: I am curious because I teach these workshops on creativity and people are always coming to the workshops and they want to write a song or make a movie or write poetry or whatever it is that they're, they're called to do. And it's clearly something in their souls that is singing out it always seems to have love at the center of it. And I've often told people, I say, well, if you do your creative work, your ability to wrap yourself around those you love in more intimate, meaningful ways will naturally emerge. There's something about the sensitivity of the creative process that that expands the soul.
1: Yes, I agree. For me, it's also been a process of in a healthy way of separation and i've done the artist way and i loved it and it was wonderful and someday if i could just thank julia in person that would be a dream come true she talks a lot about you have to like protect your space as an artist for me it's like a self-love yes like deepening the creativity lets you kind of see other people for who they are and like welcome them into your orbit too but when you need to create that sacred little circle around yourself and maybe not share your unfinished work or your works in progress with people who love you, but they might not react the way that you would need as an artist. You have to keep that safe. I've made the mistake of sharing unfinished work so many times and expected a certain kind of response and then been disappointed by people that I love who love me. I've actually stepped back a little bit and gotten like a little more private with it sometimes until I'm really sure I'm ready to share. And that's actually been really healthy for me.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you mentioned self-love because that's one of the loves that gets overlooked so often. I'm going to love everybody except myself. And so that's a really good reminder that when you do your creative work, if you allow yourself to love yourself, and by extension, whatever the work you're doing, because it's the process, not the end result so much, but the process that creates that self-generating love.
1: Yeah. Well, and the opposite really gets you totally stuck. And as a creative person, I've just been dealing with this a lot lately because I do have like the business side of what I do. And I think there's like that constant push and pull. If I get down on myself because I think I'm not doing something right or, oh, this person is doing this and I'm not, woe is me. I'm not going to pick up my guitar in that mindset and write. No way. I can only sit there and write when I feel good <laughs> like, and, and I might be sad, I might be sad, but I still have to feel like I have worth, something worthwhile to say. If I'm feeling sorry for myself and thinking I'm a worthless piece of you know what, I'm not gonna write. The self-love is what allows that to stay open.
0: And we have a lot of people who listen to this show thinking often, or at least I'm assuming that we have a lot of people, I, I imagine we do, thinking I'd like to, to start a career as a singer songwriter, um, a young woman, 18, maybe listening right now, same place where you were when you started your first, first approach, when you started first approaching this. So what kind of lesson or thoughts would you give to someone just beginning? So what kind of encouragement would you give them? How would they go about it? What, what could they do?
2: Hmm.
1: I do get that question, which is interesting for me because I was not that far away from asking that same question myself. There's just the creative pursuit in and of itself for its own end, but then there's like, I want to make a living doing this. I just think it's so important that the idea of making a living doing it or having a booking agent or a record label or any of that kind of stuff, in order to achieve any of those kind of markers along the way, you have to get really good at what you do so the first thing to do is to practice your craft no matter what else is going to happen you can't get anywhere without knowing what you want to say trying to figure out how you want to say it and really working on your guitar and learning how to write good songs because there's songwriting and then there's good songs and everybody knows when they hear a good song and it takes time you know it takes practice it takes being open to ideas and working with other people. And my biggest advice is just keep working on your art because whether that's picking up the guitar or writing every day because you have to keep it up. That's just what I would say is that it has to start with what you want to say. What is that thing that you do? What's your craft? doesn't matter what you do. I just think there's a lot of result oriented conversations around this kind of stuff that I notice. But how do I get to play at that festival? probably you have to know a guy who knows a guy anyway. So, <laughs> you know, but first you have to have a good song that somebody's going to connect with. So that's the first step is the song.
0: I have a friend who's a filmmaker. He's has a lot of significant movies to his credit. He's done it all mm-hmm. his life. And I heard him once say, he said, you know, most screenplays are terrible. They will never get made. They're absolutely awful. But 3% of those screenplays are good and if you have one of those screenplays that fall within that 3% you can throw it out of a taxi window in New York City and somebody will make it because there's something about the quality of the work that rises it's undeniable. to the top yes
1: and i just back to joni i i read this amazing biography of hers that came out a couple of years ago and There's one line where she says, I think if you're truly great, you will be found out. And I just love that. So sometimes I try to come back to that. It's like, because I get really bogged down in all those questions, but I have to just keep doing what I know. This is my voice. I don't care about sounding the way other people sound. I don't care about sounding quote unquote modern. That's not my thing. I don't really like pop music it's just not who i am it's not the kind of music that resonates with me i'm gonna resonate with the people who think and listen the way i do so i'm just gonna keep doing what i do and hopefully trust right
0: well certainly trusting yourself is probably one of the best ways to gain creative traction just be yourself and do your work in your own way and in your own time and trust your style because someone like Joni Mitchell. She's truly a great. She's made fabulous contribution to the world of jazz, to the world of music. Yeah. And so we all know that Joni is truly great. And we all know, as you well know, she's great because she worked at it for a long, long, long time. And yet a lot of people would be thinking, I, I'm not truly great and I'll never be found out,
1: right.
0: which is that internal critic. Right. Can you reflect just a moment on that idea just to help people along?
1: I think you don't even have to be great. It's whether you feel like it's it's serving your life, like if if your creative pursuit is bringing you joy. I mean, isn't it that simple? It depends on what you hope to achieve, but it's like success, you know, some days I think I know and and other days I d- I don't. I, it just depends on the day, the way I feel, how confident I feel that day. And I just think you have to just keep doing what you know is your work to do, right?
0: I couldn't agree more. And you know, I'm thinking of the people I know who have made big splashes. I know a few. I mean, you meet plenty of people on the show that you and Freebo do. You've got some some of the greats drifting through your your, yeah. your orbit. And the thing that I know about the people who have made a big splash. One is his name is Ocean Vong, O C E A N V U O N G. If any of you out there are interested in looking, looking Ocean up on Google, V U O N G is his last name. Ocean's a poet. He won the MacArthur Genius Award last year because wow. of, of his writing. And he's also won the T.S. Eliot uh, Prize for poetry, plus a number of other really huge prizes. And he's been in the New Yorker and he's, he has all the, he was on the front page of poets and writers, the cover. And the thing I know about ocean, and this is coming back to that joy that you mentioned, he loves writing. That's what he does. Right. And he does nothing else. And he has a joy for it that transcends time almost. And so I think that may be the key. The key to greatness Hmm. is to allow yourself to find so much joy in what you do that it transcends time, space, and even transcends you, which thus enters this universal Mm -hmm. proposition that then allows for the greatness to emerge. And it's hard to find, admittedly.
1: Yeah, it's kind of just... Yeah, I, I, it's being in that zone. I mean, when I'm singing and I'm really just feeling it, and I miss performing so much because I love being in that space of just going. There's no judging myself or what I'm doing, it's just happening and I love it and I feel so good and that's where I wanna be. It's like you're chasing that feeling a little bit. Right, yeah. And when, when you're writing and you just, oh yes, like that is the line. That's exactly what I want to say. You chase that feeling, I think, and hope that it comes and visits you again.
0: (laughs) Well, it it, it does come and it will come for everyone. That is the, the beauty of it. On a practical note, if someone's writing a song, and I'm asking this because I like to do this, I have my guitar and I'll sit down and I can strum and I can make stuff up, endlessly and it rhymes and it sounds great it might not hold together as a song but when people write their work do you suggest that they record it and then transcribe it and look at it and craft it or or how how do you or do you sit down and just jot a line down and then maybe try to come up with another line
1: well when i'm writing a song i usually will start with an idea maybe it's just one line or a fragment of something and if I think it's got potential I usually have a sense of that like ooh, you know I want to follow this through in my opinion every song needs the hook musically you want to have something that's memorable so I try to like think that way in terms of the chorus like you want to lift the melody of the chorus because it signals to the listener that oh this is the chorus It's just pleasing to listen to when you've announced that it's time for the chorus. So I feel like when I'm writing, I try to tell some kind of story. You want to be sure you're telling the story through the verses. And the chorus sums it up. It tells you what the song is about. It it shares some universal truth. It's that play between telling the story and something that just hooks you because it's pretty and just sounds good. You know, you just want it to sound good. That's the point of music is that it should sound good.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking of some of the classic, um, classic old folk songs. Like I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside. There's the hook. Now, once you lay down that sword and shield, what are now you going to do next? You know, what's exactly. going to happen? You know, you, will you jump in the river. Will you take a nap? Will somebody come along and bring a picnic basket That's- or,
1: yeah, I mean, that's what's cool and what's hard about songs is that it's pretty limited amount of space. It's over after a line. It's that balance of something universal, something everybody can say, oh yeah, I know what you mean by that. Or I can see that, what a cool image. And then like, what are the pieces of the story or the characters in the story? And each verse is is really like a chapter, you know, but they're so short. You don't have a lot of room to say what you want to (laughs) say. So each word is so important. And I actually love that about it. It forces you to be really clear.
0: And then the music behind the lyrics I think that might prompt your imagination to fill out more of the story because the stories are really, really simple. Suzanne takes you down to her place by the river. She feeds you tea and oranges that come all the way from China. Oh my goodness, you know, where did she get all those oranges and how did she get them from China? And then off you go in your own world.
1: Right. And it's the way of saying it too, as you know, as a poet, I mean, it's not just what the content or the action is. What's an interesting way to describe that? It's not just tea and oranges from Trader Joe's. They're from China. I mean, I love painting kind of imagery in my writing. I tend to write that way a lot. I'll just start by describing something that I'm seeing. And my songs aren't necessarily story songs. You know, I just, I like to describe something and and then see where that takes me. Because usually there's a feeling underneath the description. And then you can use that description as like an entry point into a feeling. And then I'm like, huh, what am I, what am I thinking about right now? And then that becomes the chorus, (laughs) I don't know. It's mysterious.
0: (laughs) And I love this because we have worked our way around to almost to the (laughs) top of our our, hour. And I started out asking you just about, as a child, when did the music and the notes and everything marry into your psychology and move you forward as a, into the profession? And now we're back to mystery again. So we're closing our
2: yes.
0: hour with mystery. And it's a still a mystery. We don't really quite know how it happens. It just somehow it just somehow happens. And Suzanne comes along and takes you down to the down to her place by the river, or I'm going to go to the river and lay down my sword and shield. The rivers always seem to show up in songs for some reason. I don't know it's why. It's true.
1: Water is big for me too. It's always coming back to the ocean or the river. It's all flowing. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and, and, it, and if you don't have the river, you have the ocean and the sea and, and then all the rest. Yeah. Thank you for letting this conversation flow. I really appreciate it. Thank you,
1: James. And
0: before we go, remind people how to get in touch with you so that they can reach out and follow you and be a fan like I am.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, You can find my website is a great place to go. It's alicehow.com. That's Alice, like in wonderland, how with an E H O W E. You can find me, um, I'm active on my Instagram, it's Alice Howe Music, and my Facebook is the same, Alice Howe Music, and I also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Alice Howe. You can find me on YouTube as well, I'd love if you'd subscribe to my YouTube channel, that's where Freebo and I broadcast our show, as well as on the air, the show is also uh, broadcast on Facebook and YouTube every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, so Inside Live.
0: Inside Live and I've watched that show That's the show times. Yeah. And you, you also have you have good fun You have great guests And, and you're very professional and yet somewhat Goofy and fun loving And humorous all at the same time So somehow I mean, you make you, it work
1: You gotta just let it go Because I tried to make it perfect At the beginning and I quickly realized That that was going to be impossible So then I just really leaned into my goofball self And Freebo and I have a really good time
0: <laughs> you do you do indeed and and i've had plenty of good times watching you and good. freebo have a good time so, <laughs> good, so good keep up the keep up the good work and alice thank, thank you, you so much for being with us
1: thank you james it's my pleasure
0: and that my friends concludes our conversation with alice Howe. i hope she gave you some good insights and tidbits on the songwriting profession so if you're interested in Getting engaged in the music business or songwriting, now you know a little more maybe than you did before. And with that in mind, I'd like to offer you a couple of Alice's songs, starting with What We Got Is Gold, and followed by Twilight. Enjoy.
2: The night is louder than it's been before. I hear it knocking on my wall. Out, I keep you close. Of all the nights in recent memory, there were so many you were far from me, and I just hurt my heart. Even lonely time, wishing your Echo mine. If the papers would uprit old news, they'd say I'm still in love with you. Let the years This fire Is what I'm called to do
0: I hope you enjoyed those two songs by Alice Howe. The first one was What We've Got is Gold, followed by Twilight. Once again, hats off to Alice Howe for the conversation and all the good music. And we have arrived at the top of the hour, so I would just like to say you've been listening to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always broadcasting first on WPVM, L.P. Asheville 103.7, streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville, heard all over the world, as well as other community radio stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio out of Taos, New Mexico. I'd like to thank Walter Parks for our theme song, WalterParks.com. If you're interested in any of Walter's music, As I said, you can always reach me, Nave, at jamesnave.com. WPVM-FM has a brand new website, wpvmfm.org. If you'd like to visit that website, we would certainly appreciate your attention. So thank you for that, wpvmfm.org. And we have Devine Dial, our station manager, and PJ Ewing, one of our contributors, to thank for the little shiny website we have so thank you both pj and davine and i'd like to finally say thank you for listening wherever you are in the world we really do appreciate your attention and on that note please do tune in again next time until then i'll catch you on the turnaround somewhere down the line